You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live from the Sixth and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 underway. Thursday edition is here. Trey Wallace and Armando Salguero, as well as David Hookstead, will join us all from Outkick.com. Plenty to get to. We lead off with Brittany Griner's release. The prisoner swap that happened made official today, but agreed upon between the United States and Russia last Thursday, according to the White House. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited about a big show today. Excited <laughs> to talk some uh, SEC and NFL football today with and Trey Wallace and Armando Salguero. The crazy portal. I mean, yes. I, I, this, is, this is now wide open free agency on steroids. So... Two big notes on the portal before we get going today. Graham Mertz. Um, Wisconsin. Brooke, I know, is excited about this because he's no longer with Wisconsin. Headed to Kentucky. So Kentucky fans can get excited about the Graham they Mertz should. era. They just upgraded. And, and quickly, this is the funniest. <laughs> right as we go on air, I see this headline. When the portal goes in reverse and spin cycle and spit someone back, yeah. Austin Stogner, tight end, transferred from Oklahoma to South Carolina with Spencer Rattler. Hutton, he's headed back to Oklahoma. One year at South Carolina, he said, this isn't for me. I'm going back to Norman. And he's back. He's back, back baby. Boomer Sooner. Uh, Brittany Griner is on her way back. Uh, being flown back, I believe, through the, the UAE is helping out in, in that transport. Um, President Biden, the White House, uh, announcing today, this morning, David Hookstead had the story at Outkick.com, and he'll join us later, that uh, they've they've finally come to terms on getting her home uh, in exchange for one of the, if not the largest arms deal in the history of the world, uh, based on accusations with uh, the merchant of death, um, uh, Victor Boot, which is you know something that we're definitely going to dive into here. Um, but Griner has been in a Russian prison since February for... What oil? Like that, uh, hashish, hashish oil, oil Hash. uh, at a at a airport, and it, we we know the story. It's taken far too long to get her home. Nine years, over nine years, was the sentence, and finally, um, the American that's been a prisoner is now on her way home. And unfortunately, it doesn't include Paul Whelan, uh, the Marine who remains there, and that is certainly something we can dive into as well. Yeah, Micah Parsons actually had thoughts on I don't is it Whelan or Whalen? I feel like it's Paul Whalen, maybe, is how you pronounce it. I've seen it both ways. The the confused look Davey's giving me right now shows that he doesn't know either. So we're gonna go with Whalen right now, Paul Whalen. I know Hutton said we I don't know. I've said Whelan. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. Who knows? Uh Paul, we should know. Paul Whalen, we'll we'll figure it out. Paul Whalen, I've read his name and not heard it as much, and I've read a lot about this this morning. I'm no hostage swap expert or prisoner swap expert when it comes to geopolitical relations and how these things go down. And it's also clear that Micah Parsons is not, because he had this to tweet earlier today. 
In response to Brittany Griner being swapped, uh, Micah Parsons says, wait, no, we left a Marine. Hell no. Now, he later came back and said, after doing some research and finding out what the Biden administration did, he says, just spoke to some people that I respect and trust. I should have been more educated on the topic and not tweeted out of emotion for my family and others who have served. Um, Let me say this to start, okay, because I think this is where things get sidetracked with all this. Then we'll get to the bigger issue of America giving up the merchant of death in this trade and how awful this trade was for American sensibilities and American possibilities of bad things that could happen to America. We'll get to that. Um, If we are to believe the White House, if we are to believe Joe Biden in this, and honestly, I have no reason not to believe the White House when it comes to this. Paul Whelan was not on the table at all. Paul Whelan himself granted an interview. I have no idea how, but he spoke to CNN after Brittany Griner was released this morning. And while he is critical of the Biden administration, saying, I really hope they do everything in their power to swap for me as well, he acknowledges that the Russian government has told him he is in a completely different category of prisoner than Brittany Griner as someone accused of espionage. He claims his innocence. Uh, He has citizenship from four different countries, but he is a former American Marine. As many older Marines tell me, you're never a former Marine. You are a Marine. So Mr. Whalen is currently a Marine. He is currently in captivity in a Russian prison, but he wasn't on the table. So the Biden administration was left with this choice, either hand over Victor Boot, the biggest arms dealer in the world, who was a ruthless and terrible guy, who was caught trying to sell arms to Venezuelans that were planning to attack the United States, or don't trade it all for Brittany Griner. Because that was the only... That was the only trade that Putin was willing to make. Whalen, according to Biden and the administration in the White House, they would not even discuss that this was not an option. The only option they had was to bring Brittany Griner back. Now, Hutton, I'll start with this also. It's great to have Brittany Griner back. She should be back on American soil. I'm totally fine with that happening. That's, that's the right end to this. Um, but... If you're making the tough decision for America as the leader of the country, and I say this is no expert, but it doesn't take an expert to see you have someone that has been dealing arms, former Cold War era Soviet arms. Yeah, conspiracy to kill Americans with, to, with to, anti-aircraft Well, uh, this is a guy who's starting civil wars in Western Africa by selling arms to rebel forces and arming children in that area that's responsible for many, many deaths, that got caught selling to Venezuelans that were going to attack America, you give up that person for Brittany Griner. WNBA player, American citizen, that's a tough call to make. I understand wanting to get all American citizens back, and if you can get one back, that's great. You do it if you can, but there's a cost to be paid. And this is why I'm never going to run for president and never claim that I should lead the free world. These are the difficult decisions with human collateral that presidents have to make in the geopolitical sphere. They do it all the time. You may have to make the decision that 20 soldiers may die here, but we feel like if the 20 soldiers die, 100 civilians won't. So we put those soldiers in danger. I'm not saying that you let 
Brittany Griner rot in a cell forever. You continue to do everything possible. I just don't know that trading away the merchant of death for Brittany Griner was the right call for America. And as an American, I, I hope that, and I, want, I trust in the elected officials that they're going to do everything in their power to bring back every American in prisoner of war and, and any, uh, some, anyone that's being detained for any reason uh, that is unlawful through the eyes as an American. Like, I want to believe that they're continuing to try to get Paul Whelan uh, back to the States, and I believe they are. In fact, the, the family believes that as well. Chad, you sent out the, the, the statement from the family that is behind the move that the Biden administration made. Yeah, Paul Whelan, uh, while he wasn't overly critical of uh, the Biden administration or America or anything, he was saying, I really hope that it was going to be me as part of this swap, and I hope they're doing everything in their power to get me out. Um, so I, he I said something different to CNN. But his family had this to say earlier uh, in a quote, and I think we have that, that quote. Maybe not. We do not have that quote. Okay. Well, they said, basically they showed a lot of grace and said Brittany Griner right coming now. back is a great thing. And uh, we're happy about that. So, um, you know, it, it was essentially, Hutton, you may have it in front of you. It was essentially that. Yeah, there is no greater success yeah. than for a wrongful detainee to be freed and for them to go home. The Biden administration did the right thing and made the decision to bring, bring Ms. Griner home and to make the deal that was possible rather than waiting for one that wasn't going to. That from the Whalen family um, mentioned today. And, and I will also say this. How in the hell does the the largest arms dealer in the history of the world have a 25-year minimum sentence that was handed down in 2012, and he's scheduled to be released in 2037, 2036 or 37. How, how is that possible with the, with the known charges and the fact that the, the federal jury put him away for a minimum sentence in this? Uh, that's crazy to me. David Hookstead will join us later, and the uh, the the topic I'm bringing up with him is, I mean, and he certainly he was joined Dan Dockus this morning. It was fantastic. He will uh, dive into, I mean, the moment that dude jumps on a plane. But by the way, he'll be on there with uh, the, the Russians are flying him back. Um, he'll be briefed, and he'll be right back into doing what he was doing. That's that's the unfortunate part about the guy that we just handed back over. But ultimately, um, I'm glad Brittany Griner's coming home. Yeah, and, and that's, the fact that's, that it, that's the good it, part of the story. This has been going on since February is insane. And that tells you how difficult everything is when it comes to that. Well, and I, I want to also take this opportunity with this huge news story, what everybody's talking about, to reiterate the fact that we live in one hell of a country. We really do. Yes. We are so blessed. We are the top one half of 1% because we were simply born as an American citizen. Because if Brittany Griner was Hungarian and flew into Russia with hash on her, they would do nothing to bring her back and have zero leverage. She would rot in a gulag somewhere in Siberia for the rest of her life, and nothing would be done about it. But because Brittany Griner was born an American and a citizen of this country, one that she has been critical of, and that's your right as an American to be critical of this country. But you also need to understand the blessings you have to be an American. Because if she's from any other country, there is no way in hell she's back mere months after being held in captivity. Because it's America who actually cares that much about their own. Not every other country. 
And now that Brittany Griner has seen how the other half lives and see what goes on in actual totalitarian, horrible places like Russia, I hope she comes back here as an advocate for this country and will preach the gospel of how great of a country this is. And I know that her partner sat up there and said this, and I believe they'll both do this. They are now going to be vocal advocates for every American citizen in captivity in Russia for the foreseeable future. And I think that's the good thing about all of this. And again, it's great that she's home. She should not be serving that long of a sentence for what she did. Right. But she did commit a crime in Russia, bringing that in. And if she did that from any other country, this homecoming probably isn't happening. So thank God we live in America. And they did this primarily to get their arms dealer back. You know, that was all part of it too. All leverage. And ultimately it works here. And look, here's, here's the next hope. I hope that Paul Whelan is now at the top of the list for those that were shouting from the rooftops and holding moments of silence and things of solidarity through different leagues, trying to get Brittany Griner home, uh, which, by the way, every American would hope that everyone would have that sentiment for them if they were in the same situation, uh, no matter how you feel politically. Uh, I, I hope we get that for a Marine who remains over there and has stated that he's cool with this. It's incredible. Guys like Vin Diesel, who's tweeting this out about the, uh, let's get Brittany Griner home for Christmas. I hope we get the same sentiment for Paul Whelan with this now. Who admittedly, I didn't know about until the Brittany Griner issue came about. I want that front, front and center now. It should be. And I hope it's at the forefront of what everything is politically that's going on here. Uh, and how things cross over with sports and politics. I hope that this does send a message to those that stood on a rooftop, and for good reason, wanting Griner back. Yeah, I hope that the Golden State Warriors wear some sort of decal or do or something for Paul Whelan yeah, the way they did thing. for Brittany Griner uh, and the rest of the NBA because it's clear that if you get enough publicity from enough celebrities, then things can happen within the government because they feel pressured, uh, and it becomes kind of a PR situation. And today was uh, right. certainly felt like a nice PR moment uh, for the Joe Biden administration in the White House to have this done. To have the family there. And I, I'll, I'll again say, I, I'm thrilled sure. that Brittany Griner's back. Uh, and this is, these, these types of decisions are the reason that I'm not a big enough sociopath to ever run for political office. Because I truly believe you have to have a little bit of that in you in order to do it. So I would never run for president or want that job. But these are the tough decisions that have to be made. And I think that's just a very difficult call to say... Yeah, we'll take Brittany Griner back. Here's this monster that you can have back now. And then and I would also say this. I'm all with you on Paul Whelan, but if they're not will, if Putin's not willing to discuss Paul Whelan, even with Victor Boot as part of the package in a trade, what monster does Putin want back in exchange for Paul Whelan? That part scares me too. Yeah, and I, I so, don't, again, like that's, that's it, also the decisions. situation you're in. Tough decisions. For uh, any any president, yeah. Uh, Davy Hudson with the WNBA trades. This is certainly one where uh, the U.S. One. makes a the, the massive trade for Brittany Griner back home today. You know, guys, I often like to have a graphic just to put the visual representation up there. So we got the Phoenix Mercury Center Brittany Griner in exchange for Russian arms dealer Victor the Merchant of Death Boot. Now I know if you're looking at this graph, that is not Victor Boot, but that is Nicolas Cage in Lord of War, in which. Cage 
character was based off of Boot. Um, 25 and, years in yeah. prison for a character uh, based on uh, the character for the movie uh, Lord of War. Yeah. Let that sink in. Tried to do a little bit of a scouting report. Griner, excellent in the post. Great shot blocking ability. And she's a tenacious rebounder. Boot on the other side. The guy has weapons all over the place. You know, lighted up from anywhere. Uh, almost every continent, pretty much. And he's constantly a threat from anywhere in the world, wherever he's at. Uh, still been able to make some things happen, even while he's been detained in America. But, yeah, I think the uh, the Mercury. Uh, last year, down year, 15-21 and 21 on the season. Uh Griner's last year, they went 19 and 13, lost in the final. So hopefully, getting her back will help the Mercury be able to make a better run at the uh, WNBA Finals this year. But that's uh, that's where we stand right now, guys. I've been told, by the way, that I resemble Nicolas Cage, and I resent that comment that I resemble Nicolas Cage. But many people have said that maybe from the nose oh, up, I look a lot like Nicolas Cage. Um, I mean, the guy is a movie star, so I guess I'll take it. Uh, that's certainly a notable trade. A lot of jokes also about uh, did John Robinson make this trade? <laughs> Talking about the, the, what, he, what he gave oh, wow. up in return. Now, in all fairness to John uh, Robinson, it should be George Payton jokes because he just made the worst trade of the last 10 years right now with Russell Wilson. No one complained about it at the time, well, but that's a much worse trade than A.J. Brown with John Robinson. And coaching hire, which is worse. Yes, I mean, he, he hired leader of men, Nathaniel Hackett, a guy whose top resume building option was oh. playing ping pong with Aaron Rodgers. And he hired him as head coach, <laughs> and he's a one and done. I think, here's my point. John Robinson's getting an unfair mark here on jokes about him for a guy who only had winning seasons as a GM. Let's talk about George Payton if you want to compare bad trades. George Payton, the Broncos, needs to be on that list. Coming up, uh, we will have uh, David Hookstead in Hour 3. Armando Salguero will hit the NFL headlines, including the House Oversight Committee report on Daniel Snyder, Washington Commander's owner. And, uh, by the way, it was a damning report. We'll get into that. And we will also uh, dive into SEC headlines, the transfer portal, and Heisman finalists that don't include the SEC quarterback that was expected to go. And instead, it's now Stetson Bennett, who's an amazing story. And uh, Chad will also let everyone know about the new South Carolina offensive coordinator. They've made a, a move there Hunt with their offense. knows him personally. Yes, uh, we will we'll dive in Personal there. scouting report. First, though, Outkick360, excited to partner with Aurora NutriScience. VitaLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A, VitaLifeScience.com is the site. It's where you can see more information. Outkick360 season ticket holders. You receive a 15% discount with the code outkick 360 typical pills capsules for your supplements your vitamins not well absorbed you're wasting your money there in fact most are only absorbed in small very small amounts and these pills are digested to the point where there's little left for you to benefit from but here's aurora unique cutting edge nutritional absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes it's all explained on the site vitalifescience.com v-i-d-a lifescience.com 15 percent off with the code outkick 360 VitaLifeScience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Coming up, we'll discuss the Stanford head coaching opening. 
who's being mentioned there and an idea for a coach I think would make a ton of sense. We will get into that. Plus, we've got Armando Salguero in about an hour and a half. But first, we say hello to Trey Wallace. Outkick.com covers the SEC and more. The Georgia Bulldogs, your SEC champion. He was covering that last weekend. And uh, now he's covering Transfer Portal, which is insane. It's hot. Trey, hope, hope you're doing well, man. I am. Uh, I'm doing good. We had a we had a scene out of Bridge of Spies this morning uh, in Abu Dhabi to yeah. start the day, yeah. uh, which was uh, which was wild. But uh, yeah, we're here and we're rolling along. And uh, man, lots of stuff going on in uh, in college sports. So uh, over under sixteen combined points when Kentucky and Iowa meet up. Now that Will Levis has opted out, Chris Rodriguez has opted out. Uh, Iowa's got some dude who's never thrown a pass in college playing in this game. Uh, this this is this has rugby scrum written all over it, Trey. I am so excited for the Trans Perfect Music City Bowl. I'm telling you, <laughs> uh, stoked, man. Hey, uh, by the this- way, Trey, I'm hosting the welcome party for for <laughs> really? Iowa and Kentucky. Yeah, and uh, like I'm. You know, it's 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 between the you, know, the you have to drop and, some jokes in some pre dinner um, jokes about you know I'll probably score more points here tonight than yeah. uh, we'll we'll see in the game tomorrow yeah something yeah. like that yeah. come so, on so glad you brought I, the better quarterbacks to town right I'll, I'll Hutton's gonna like have one of those little uh, mini cheerleader footballs <laughs> to throw out and you throw it to the back yes. and said that's uh, gonna be the longest pass from scrimmage you guys are gonna see in the next two days I'll help you with your material you, you'll be ready to go it'll be the best you, part of the week you're just gonna. Have- you're going to have Mark Stoop just staring at you with those death eyes when it happens. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, by the way, what what a, a few months this has been because we, we spoke with Stoops at SEC Media Days discussing how he catches Georgia. And now, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if the, a receiver within the offense for Kentucky will catch a pass in this game. See, now I want Hutton just to go like Anthony Jeselnik at the uh, at the roast with Stoops and just go scorched earth and Trey. look at him and say, hey, uh, co- nice of Coach Stoops to be here with us. I guess Nebraska didn't want you. Trey, it's a good way to Is tie it? this in. Uh, let's. I'll ask you, today's December the 8th. Um, okay. Let's pretend this game has already been played. Uh, tell, okay, give yeah. us the, give us the recap of Kentucky and Iowa at the Music City Bowl. Well, obviously Kentucky's going to try to roll here with a with a backup quarterback that has zero experience, and you also don't have Chris Rodriguez. So I expect Kentucky's rushing game to maybe put up 100 yards here. Overall, what's going to happen is Iowa's going to drive down the field a couple times and have to settle for field goals, and then Kentucky all of a sudden is going to have to put something together on offense. So they're going to get past the 50-yard line but have to settle for a few punts. This game turned into a back-and-forth defensive battle with a couple slugfests when it comes to the special teams <laughs> part of it. But at the end, it was Kentucky that came through with a 42-yard field goal to win the game 9-6. to The Wildcat fans celebrated while their basketball team was playing Louisville in Lexington. Good so job. congratulations Great to point. the Kentucky Wildcats. That was excellent. The well done, Trey. Perfect, perfect. Uh, I doubt we can do that with Ohio State and Georgia. So – I'll ask this one to you this way. You saw Georgia over the weekend dismantle LSU in that game. It's going to be a big upset if Georgia doesn't win at all at this point, given the season they've had, given they're the defending champion. But now with that switcheroo that you called over championship weekend, USC losing, Ohio State's in now, is that a better possibility for an upset in the semifinal with Ohio State playing Georgia as opposed to USC? Yeah, I I like that they – I don't think that they sat in the room and said, okay, how can we avoid the Michigan-Ohio State matchup? I think the rankings actually fit 
pretty well. TCU stays at their spot. Ohio State backdoored in. So you're going to give them the four spot anyways. You're not going to give them that three spot. So I, I actually think the rankings were right on this. And I look at Georgia – it's just a football team that that has everything put together. The the running game, uh, the defensive line, what Stetson Bennett is able to do. Not saying he is Heisman Trophy finalist worthy, but I am saying that this is a guy to me that can run this offense. Now, here's the flip side of that. How does the Georgia secondary and their defense uh, try to compound C.J. Stroud? In that Ohio State offense, they had the ability to throw the football and, and test Georgia deep. Um, I, I go back, you know, if we're looking at this game, kind of go back to that Tennessee Georgia game where Georgia shut down Tennessee's offense. I think that's what the Bulldogs will have to do here because I expect Ohio State to come out and, and a lot of RPOs, a lot of CJ Stroud getting outside the pocket a little bit and finding players downfield to try to scramble up the Georgia defense. If there's there's one area that Georgia can get beat on on defense is if, you know, C.J. Stroud is is able to find that guy across the middle, you know, and, and to me, they're going to have to open it up. Like, I can see Ohio State winning this football game. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say Georgia is unbeatable. We've seen them at times this year where it's weird with Georgia. It's like, I said this the other day to somebody, it's like Georgia has to, like, flip that switch every now and then to get themselves out of a funk. And when that happens, okay, the Georgia offense picks it up. But if they have to do that against Ohio State, that's going to be the problem. So I think this is going to be a great game. I think Ohio, I'm not ready to give a prediction just yet, but I think Ohio State is going to hang with Georgia. This is going to be a four-quarter battle, probably a little different than maybe the one that we're going to see out in Tempe, Arizona. Trey, how much do you expect Hugh Freeze to immediately become the new portal king, similar to what we saw with Kiffin at Ole Miss? I mean, they got their money situation right down there. Uh, I'll tell you that. I mean, five hours after he was introduced at Auburn, he was filming videos uh, for their collective down there. They understand how much this is going to be a big deal to rebuild this roster. And, and money is going to solve that. It's not just about going to play for Hugh Freeze. Because if you, if you ask a lot of players around the country, and you said, do you know who Hugh Freeze is? They're probably not going to know because the guy's been at Liberty. Like, if you're at Oklahoma, well, maybe that's a bad one. If you're at <laughs> USC, somewhere like that, and you're saying, okay, Hugh, who is Hugh Freeze? Okay, he's a new Auburn coach. Okay, where he's been? You know, a lot of these kids were – what they were they were 12 years old at the time 13 years old at the time when when Hugh was at Ole Miss so I look at this and I think they're going to have to go out and they're going to have to spend money which they have a lot of um I think they're going to be able to go out and get a, a pretty darn strong quarterback to help out with Robbie Ashford who I think can do a a really good job at Auburn underneath Hugh Freeze um but the biggest thing to me is and you guys know this all too well you have got to be able to have a, a staff that can recruit the SEC. That's why Cadillac Williams is staying on board and they're paying him a bunch of money. Um, you look at who they got rid of, who had SEC ties, Will Friend, Jimmy Brumbaugh. You know, I could go on. Um, but I feel like Auburn can turn this thing around. But money is going to – NIL – playing time, all of that put into one. It's going to be a big factor in Hugh Freeze succeeding in year one, especially year two at Auburn. Trey Wallace with us, outkick.com. You can follow him at Trey Wallace underscore. Um, we have seen year after year 
and, and several teams from the SEC in neutral site games, especially to open the season. Are we about to see a trend away from that? Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting away from that. You know, and um, the, a bunch of administrators were out in Las Vegas this week speaking at a conference that was going on. Greg Byrne kind of mentioned that, look, we're Alabama's Greg Byrne, the athletic director, said that, you know, we're kind of going away from that. Uh, maybe down the road in the future, I, I think once conference expansion happens and you get more teams joining in, uh, maybe you'll start seeing more of the neutral site. Now, we can't forget, Georgia's going to play Clemson in 24 to open the season in Atlanta, which the Peach Bowl does a fantastic job of putting on an opener neutral site game to kick things off. But you did see where, okay, the Dallas game went away, you know, that that used to open the season. Um, you've still got a little bit of the, the Orlando factor. LSU Florida State will open the season next year. Uh, in Orlando, you had LSU, Florida State, New Orleans this year, but we're really taken away from 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 the home and homes, which I think are key in college football. I, I point to what Alabama is doing, and and also I could point to LSU and a couple other schools too. Don't want to miss anybody out, but Alabama is going to host Texas next year. Uh, they were smart enough to go play a game at South Florida next season, which is. Raymond James Stadium is technically South Florida's home stadium, but they'll be able to put 60,000 people in there, and a lot of Alabama fans are going to travel. So it's smart to have these home-and-home games, and it's better for the fans, guys. Like, we want to see big games at home. We want to see, you know, if you're a Tennessee fan, you want to see Oklahoma coming into Neyland Stadium. You know, I know there'll be a conference foe, but you kind of get where I'm going. The biggest one that stands out to me, was a few years ago when Georgia went to Notre Dame and you saw probably it had to be 35, 40,000 Georgia fans take over South Bend. And, and then you had the return trip. That's what I love about college football. Like to me, we don't need all these neutral side games. Give us some home and home games for the future. And I promise you the fans will respond better. You'll probably make a little bit more money and, and, and it's good where you don't give up a home game. Like, Last thing I'll say, like Tennessee, Tennessee opening the season. And look, I love Nashville. We all love Nashville. Okay. But Tennessee opening the season next year against Virginia and Nashville, that doesn't do it for me. Who cares? Like it, it's not, you know, do that at home, play that game at Neyland, or then next year go play that game, you know, at, at Virginia. So I just think there's arguments. I think the home and home series, they're they're too important to college football. We need to get back to that trend. I really do think. We can look at this from the SEC out and go inside out with this, Trey, but early transfer portal return or people have gone into the portal, what's your biggest takeaway? Maybe inside the conference, we know the program that has the most in the portal right now, and it's no big surprise with A&M and Jimbo Fisher, but what is the biggest takeaway, the one thing – that you keep coming back to mentally and thinking this is a big deal within the transfer portal in the SEC right now. How much money is is being offered? How much collectives are involved in this compared to head coaches, recruiting staffs, and whatnot? You're you're what's happening is is you're you're looking at a player that hits the portal, a coaching staff that wants a certain player. But these players are wanting to know their value when it comes to how much they're going to make at that school. Now, I'm not saying that's for every player. I'm not at all. But these stud players, these 
four to five star players that are transferring out. We're seeing a lot in College Station. We're we're seeing a lot at you know at USC and other schools as well. I look at this overall, and I, I the the one thing to keep. I was talking to a bunch of assistant coaches today for a piece that I am doing from around the country in college football, and the thing that stood out to me is their first or second question. You know, if they're going after high profile athlete, the the athlete's first or second question is, okay, well, what's my value with NIL at your school? So money's playing a big part in this. And, and it is technically free agency if we want to look at it like that. You know, and to me, you know, I had, I had one coach tell me he was surprised that the first thing that the player said when with his family around once they got on the phone was, hey, coach, well, how much, uh, how much money do you think I can make there in so-called city? And, and the coach was kind of floored. It wasn't about playing time. It, it, it wasn't about what can you do to elevate my draft status. It was about how much money you're going to be able to make. And I get that because I don't fault these players because they have to know their, their value. But that's what stood out to me when it comes to NIL, when it comes to the, the transfer portal right now. And we're not done yet, guys. Like, I know that there was a wave on Monday, Tuesday, a couple of players in today. This is only going to pick up. You know, after bowl games, you're going to be seeing a lot more players enter the transfer portal. So we're only getting started here. And, you know, you got a lot of schools that are digging deep for, for replacements at starting positions. Look at Kentucky. You know, Kentucky's got to replace quarterback. Kentucky's got to place Chris Rodriguez at running back. Um, there's a lot of schools around there. And while we were, while you guys were on the air, South Carolina tied in Austin Stogner decided, well, you know what? I'm going to go back to Oklahoma. Yeah. So we spent a year at South Carolina going back to Oklahoma now. And I know we probably talk about the OC position there, which is causing South Carolina fans to have a <laughs> meltdown, but it's crazy to see. Yeah. Dow Loggins is the leading candidate for the, the OC position. He's currently, the tight ends coach at Arkansas, I believe, right? And um, yeah. he's a former Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, uh, and other positions through Mike Heimerdinger and then Chris Palmer and then the Mike Munchak era. And then he went on to the Jets. I mean, he's been uh, uh, through a number of organizations and most recently uh, with, with Arkansas. This is, I mean, what they're doing, what Shane Beamer, if in fact he's hiring Dow, um, Dow's running more of a run and shoot West Coast style offense. He always has. Um, and that's the pro style. And that's more of what Beamer is hiring here. What do you make of the the style of which, of course, Dow would be running if, in fact, he's officially named OC there? Just go Twitter search his name right now and see the reaction from South Carolina <laughs> fans. Yeah. It, it, it's, it is crazy. And here's the problem, too. South Carolina fans, there were a couple people out there in the media that wanted to start floating Dan Mullen's name around. Okay, so when you go for – and Dan Mullen was never taking the South Carolina job. He was not interested in the offensive coordinator job at South Carolina. He wasn't taking it. Said that to me directly. So once you start building up one name, and then all of a sudden you get down to the third or fourth guy on the list, everybody's like, well, wait a minute. Like, we don't want to do this. Look at the offense that he's run. He hasn't grown up since his time in the NFL. I I think that him being under can 
Bill Browse, technically, you know, in Arkansas, I think he might bring a different type of offense to South Carolina if they make that higher official and they get it done. So, you know, I would just tell folks, don't freak out yet because you don't technically know what he's going to run at South Carolina. So, Jonathan, I know that, that you've got experiences with him in the past. And he's yeah, a good he's dude. Run. And, and the, players, right. the players like him. Uh, it's yeah. Part of that, in my experience with him, the players really liked him because the other OC sucked that they fired. Uh, that, right. that's, that's part of it. But Dow has a, I mean, at the time he was 32 and I was, you know, whatever, 23, 24, but he was, he was up and coming through Mike Heimerdinger and the yep. regime of, of Mike Munchak after they took over for Jeff Fisher, but Fisher had him on his staff too. So again, uh, he's, he's an NFL lifer except for this past year at Arkansas, but that's also where he, he was prior to getting into the league. Yeah, and I, so I would just say have patience. If you're South Carolina, if Shane Beamer trusts to do it, you know what? You got to trust Shane Beamer, you know, if, if he's your head coach and that's who you believe in. So it, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks when it comes to Gamecock football. Uh, they're yeah. not – the fans aren't excited, but, you know, maybe they get on board. I we'll, don't know we'll how they're it. not riding a high based on how they finished the season, though. Well, and, and, and I was talking with somebody on staff over there in the last two days and it's like, okay, they beat Tennessee, they beat Clemson. And now all of a sudden, if you go on social media or you go on message boards, it's complete meltdown mode before they play Notre Dame in a few weeks. <laughs> so it's, it's shocking to me to see, but you know what? That's college football. That's fans for you. So if they want something to complain about, I promise you they're going to find it. Yep. Uh, check out the Trey Wallace podcast work. We can find that at outkick.com. You go there, you click on shows. All the shows, all the podcasts are available. Um, who do you have on this week, Trey? And uh, let us know what's to come. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we had Dan Mullen and Shane Beamer on last week. This week, uh, a friend of y'all's, a friend of mine, Barrett Salee from CBS Sports, hopped on a great conversation about the Heisman Trophy, about the college football playoffs, especially about the Tennessee Clemson Orange Bowl, which we both think is the best bowl game uh, outside of the semifinals. And, uh, just a, a fantastic conversation with Barrett. I think everybody's going to enjoy it. And uh, we're just continuing to get bigger and bigger at outkick.com. And uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it, guys. Yeah, it's a great podcast. Check it out. Subscribe, download. You can certainly rate and review that as well. And you can get all of the podcasts available. Just click on shows. And uh, that's at outkick.com. Trey, appreciate you, man. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Chad, help him with his jokes. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, I'll, I'll be his writer. I'll be the guy in the background writing jokes, the cocktail jokes for the trans perfect Music City Bowl opening, uh, like whatever the, it is. The, the, yeah, the emphasis on that. Yeah, well done. Yeah, trans perfect. Yes. Uh, thank you, Trey. Trey Wallace is also I trans perfect. Yes. Thank you, Trey. <laughs> Trey Wallace, uh, at Trey Wallace underscores where you can find him. Coming up, the NFL draft order right now. We know the team that has the number one pick, the Houston Texans. But there are some really good teams right now that are going to end up with some decent selections based on results of other teams that have traded away future drafts beyond even this year. The The order is intriguing, and it's really a battle of... <laughs> it's a battle of other bad teams, but as like the Rams, as the Rams continue to lose, we'll tell you who's going to end up really benefiting from all of this. It's next now, Kick360. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. The NFL draft order, normally this time of year, it cranks up on the discussion because bad teams, Chad tanking, and other things that comes to the forefront. More teams should tank. There's the, not enough tanking going the on race, this year. The race for the number one overall pick because, again, normally it's a chase to get the best quarterback. That was not the case last year. This year it will be with you've got Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, according to... Uh, according to Kuyper, you've got Will Levis available. Will Levis, Dave, Davey told me, Will Levis has dropped to third overall now. Okay. From first overall, but still the first quarterback. Oh, he is? Let's not act rash and not drop him down the wow. list of quarterbacks. Still the first quarterback. Uh, but Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, two SEC defensive players, one and two now. Well, Will Anderson makes a, num- a ton of sense already for the team that's currently selecting second overall. Um, right now, the Houston Texans remain the number one overall pick. That's no surprise there, but they're Chicago. They've traded away their pass rushers, and you said Will Anderson's number two on the board already? Like, if Houston passes there, there you go. If Houston takes the quarterback, the Bears are in a good spot. But here's here's the intriguing thing. It's not going to really pick up on the, the slotting process for the draft because the teams that really need the help, who are bad right now, they have traded away their picks to teams that are actually winning. For instance, currently, the Denver Broncos would be selecting third, but they've traded that pick for Russell Wilson, among others. And so Seattle has the third overall selection currently. They're 7-5. and five. The Detroit Lions, who have really picked up the pace, they are, what, 5-7. and seven. They own the pick that the Los Angeles Rams would have for the trade with Matthew Stafford in exchange for Jared Goff, and they gave up this pit. They've got the fourth overall selection, the Lions do right now. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, currently selecting fifth, with the best record right now in the NFL, and that's uh, via New Orleans. That's the one that jumps out to me more than any other one, is the Eagles sitting there at five. The Eagles, who right now, now are the best team in the NFL, hey, and, and they've got the fifth overall pick. I'm here to tell you, the, the Saints are in contention to still get the number one overall pick. I mean, they they are bad. We've seen them. Yep. And that loss helps Philly. They're up 16-3. to And the loss ends up helping Philly when Tampa comes back on Monday night to win 17-16. I don't think the, the Texans are giving up that number one overall pick spot. We've seen crazier things happen, though, uh, with this. By the way, rounding out the top ten, Carolina, Jacksonville, Arizona, Indianapolis, Atlanta. And the Atlanta Falcons, they are entering, and we'll get into this with Armando. This is an interesting back-of-the-season stretch for them. The Falcons, who are, what, five wins on the season. And it's a bad division, so who knows if they're actually going to be in contention at the end of this. But with five games left, they're about to start Desmond Ritter for the first time. They're benching Marcus Mariota in exchange for Desmond Ritter. And... The late-round draft pick that they, mid-round draft pick that they selected last year gets a chance to show that he has the tools in place to move forward with the offense going forward. 
They've got Mariota under contract, I believe, for another season there. But with five games left, for Arthur Smith and the the entire organization there, they've got to figure out where they're going to be in the quarterback market. And this now gives them, they've got plenty of time now to assess where Ritter is. And this would also be where we would see Matt Corral in Carolina. But he's on injured reserve, and he's been that way since the preseason. But the Falcons now get the benefit of selecting the mid-round quarterback in Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. And they get a chance to figure out if a top 10 pick's going to go quarterback or if they figured, well, maybe we have our guy. We'll find out. It's an interesting scenario for them. Some of the teams that are missing at the very top also jump out to me. It, like Indy is an example. I think they, have, they were eighth currently, mm-hmm. yep. but that's one that, boy, they could use one of those top two quarterbacks not named Will Levis. Although there's a lot of jokes from people talking about it's going to be the Texans or the Colts that draft Will Levis, (laughs) ensuring the AFC South spot as the worst division in football will remain intact for a long time. But there are some teams there that would really like, because of a reset needed in their organization, one of those top two or three picks. But it's not lining up that way because of past trades. Yep, trades. And then, you know, some teams are just, you know, around 500, not not good, not bad, just very – Blah, you know, like Washington. Washington's okay, but they can still miss the playoffs. But they need something. They need yeah. something. And don't, then you don't the, we all, though? But then you have the Giants. The Giants are trying to figure out, is Daniel Jones the future? That he's doing just enough? Guy's going to get him in the playoffs, and he's still not going to be the answer yeah. by the end of the year. We're still not going to know. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Jury's out on Daniel Jones. We'll still. talk other quarterbacks, including Hendon Hooker next.